Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the best dang episode of Inspiration Point you have heard since the last one you listened to. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. I, Good I, evening to you. I'm so excited for this greatest episode ever. I, I had not anticipated this. I hope I'm prepared. Well, since 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 they listened to the to the last one, I mean, you know, we oh. I, I don't want to set things up too high. Uh, the best thing they've listened to apart from other things they've listened to. Uh huh. OK. Yeah. Are you sure you don't have a career in politics? <laughs> well, I mean, it's not that I could. You ever have something that you were like, you found that you were really good at, but you didn't like it. I think politics would be kind of like that for me. Yeah, you think you I would. might be able to hack it, uh, but uh, it's not hacking that I would enjoy. Isn't that a mark of like a good leader, like the kind of person you want is <laughs> like someone who's who kind of hates it, but can hack it? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I like where this is going. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, Andrew. So we're driving at Andrew. Well, you are you over thirty-five. God, just saying. What I what I would do to this country. <laughs> you know what you would do to this country? You'd befriend this country. Yeah, darn right, I would. You know, it would be a, a whether happy... they want to or not. <laughs> they would get the friendship. Gosh darn it, man! Who would play you on SNL? Well, you know that's uh, that's the real question. Wow! Maybe, you know, could P Pete Davidson do it? Did they bring back Jason Sudeikis? You know, Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. Yeah. Well, I mean, why not? Just give her everything. She can. She can do anything. Just have her you do know all who, the presidents going forward. You know who could probably do it mm. is uh, Bill Hader. Yeah, Bill. Oh yeah, Bill Hader. Yeah, I can see it. He could do I it. I could see he it. He could do it. That that guy's got range. Maybe they could pull a Dane Cook out of retirement and have him do it. He's got kind of a long head. Yeah. <laughs> He's got kind of a long head. That <laughs> if, if ever there was a qualification to play a caricature of me in yeah, something. He's got, got a long head. So, like, <laughs> <a> long. <laughs> what? This. You, you know, this did it, not go the way I thought it would. I'm just saying that if you and I were to cosplay as the robots from Portal 2 Co-op, we know which one would be which. I'm not going to say it, though. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, but I th yeah. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's fairly obvious. You know, I mean, is it is it nice to say something just because it's obvious? So welcome to Inspiration Point, where we uh, do fan <laughs> castings of ourselves on a podcast where theoretically most of you have no idea what we look like. So, yes. But uh, after that Portal 2 reference, you do. Now you do now. It's basically a Siskel you, and Ebert situation. Yes, it is. Um, I, man, I wish I had more clever things to say about that. But I mean, it kind of just, it, it sort of is. What it Would is. you give that comparison two thumbs up? I'd give it two thumbs up, but maybe out of six. Uh, so your uh, critic is a Merolith. Well, I would just probably rope in some help. 
Ah, Roper. Very good. Nice reference. See? See? Did you even mean to do that? Of course I did. (laughs) You can't prove anything. You can't prove anything. (laughs) Let's get on track. Welcome to Inspiration Point, where we theoretically talk about uh, tabletop role-playing games. Um, (laughs) If we want to. If we want to. How's your life, Andrew? My life's pretty good. Um, We, as of uh, earlier this Hey, this afternoon, um, today being uh, Tuesday, January 19th of 2021, uh, the Kickstarter for Dangerous Destinations uh, broke $140,000, wow. which is insane to me. I mean, that's that's in its first week. So, you know, this this is going to be a month long Kickstarter. So. Who knows where where it's going to go from here? I, you know, to me, it's kind of anybody's guess, because, I mean, we we've done like projections and stuff. And, um, you know, we have some ideas of like based on how past Kickstarters have done, you know, certain comparisons and ratios and stuff that give us, you know, theoretically, it could get to this point. But I look at that point and I'm maybe a little dubious because um, mm. because it I mean, if it I'm not going to give numbers, but if it got to the place where we think it theoretically could get to, it would be bonkers. Um, but if it gets even close to that, you know, we're talking some serious dough. Um, so well, yeah, it's, it's you're, been you're, very encouraging. You're well out of the fear territory of, oh my goodness, what if this just bombs and well sure. into the just like hopefulness, which is nice. Yeah, it is. It is nice. And it's been, it's been very encouraging. We've been, uh, doing a stream every Tuesday at, uh, 10 o'clock, uh, AM Pacific. So if anyone listening to this is, around around that time tune into the uh nord games uh twitch youtube or even on facebook and we live stream some of the content that i've uh, been writing for dangerous destinations when we kind of make something so uh today we made an indoor uh hideout that is in an urban environment and had a uh, the danger in this hideout were uh humanoids um and it wound up creating this really bizarre kind of place like there was brainwashing going on and uh like this uh the lo- the hideout was in this religious building i mean we wound up thinking like a like a temple or something in the heart of this urban location whatever settlement uh type you'd stick it in probably a town or bigger um but the way it turned out was that i had a table for the local structural density around whatever the hideout is and the role was the minimum role so it was actually all alone so it's in the center of this city but all all this area uh the general area around this place at least in its immediate vicinity is empty either there's no buildings there 
or the buildings that were there were like collapsed or demolished or something like that. So you've got this big open space with nothing but this big temple in it. And um, there were a bunch of other uh, interesting roles that wound up factoring into it, but uh, it wound up being this really kind of a strange situation with a couple uh, interesting kind of side things for different plot hooks that you could pull out of it and stuff. It was, it was a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm excited for seeing where the, um, what else can come out of this. It's, uh, it's going to be a really good time. Yeah. How about you? That'll put some interesting emphasis on, on your cathedral and it, in a way it almost foreshadows itself. Right. So that's right. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, as far as I'm going, you know, my my week is filled with a lot of D&D. I'm having fun uh, setting it up. Yeah. Again, I feel like I've figured out this sort of formula for myself where it is more of a game for me by, oh, yeah. by letting go of control of every little plot point that happens. You know, Feels I, good. I try to make sure we do either upbeats or downbeats, you know, in a certain rhythm if I can manage it. And I'll beats or beat downs. Uh, well, <laughs> beat downs are typically upbeats, which is perfectly mm. intuitive. Mm. Perfectly. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, by allowing the game to be more of a surprise for me, it's made the game sure. a lot more fun. Like, cause in a lot of ways, nice. like I realized that one of my weaknesses as a DM or GM is, is a opening session, right? Like a first session hmm. I often struggle with. Um, really what you would think that would be like the easy thing but it, <laughs> i i would not <laughs> <laughs> well like how, like how hard is it to open mean. a movie right like almost anyone can open a movie or a tv show and have it be interesting you know and ending it is is particularly difficult and, and i'm not saying i'm great at Endings that either are very hard but you know i'm very much about the middle right i do the middle sure. pretty well i feel and you know, I, and I think all my players just have to come to the to accept that, you know, just bear with me. You know, I'm like a new show mm. on HBO. Just give me like three episodes and then, you know, give me there you go and we'll get there and then you'll then you'll really like it. So it's, you know, it, it's, uh, it's been really fun for me to have very loose control over what happens in a game and allow players to to make key decisions. I'm glad. I I think that's that's an interesting um kind of point of diversion uh or rather divergence between us like I I think if if there's anything that I would maybe readily acknowledge is my strong suit probably would be opening sessions. Hmm, like yeah. I, I think, I think that's something where I tend to, to nail it. Like I can, I can grab you and throw you into something real crazy and try to make it engaging. Mm-hmm. But the thing I've struggled with in the past is that kind of stamina to keep it going where you've always been really great about that. Where like, the maybe at first it might be a little slow going, but once you've got everything established, yeah, you're you're freaking set. Yeah, and, and I spent too much time trying these, to establish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, and I think we're we're finding like uh, like we talked a bit 
um, about with Strahd uh, last week. Um, one of the things that I have already found to be kind of helpful is like, there's always this trope with tabletop RPGs, especially with fantasy ones where, you know, you have the adventurers who are all separate individuals, usually as separate as could possibly be, who wind up in a tavern or basically conveniently placed in some gathering location and somebody comes up, pitches them a job, and they basically are together out of occupational necessity. You know, we we just happen to be sitting basically within arm's reach of one another when this person came up and pitched a quest to one or all of us. And we're all like, yeah, we should just all go do this together because if any one of us tries to go do it alone, we're dead. So want to all be friends? Um, where with um, Lestrade, I had all you guys from the get-go. I was like, okay, you guys are all family members. So that from from the beginning gives you guys a reason to care and a reason to be invested in one another. And it, it comes with that innate connection already built in. You're my mom. You're my dad. You're my son. You're my adopted son. Um, so and I think we've we've found that in a couple of other games as well. Um, we're like having that kind of baked in, uh, connection, uh, connection between the, between the PCs before session one, where everybody understands why they know each other and why they care about each Mm -hmm. other from the get go can save a lot of, uh, work. Though Um, to be fair, it also took a lot of out of session time. Which was That's true. Which was That's fun, true. and and I enjoyed it. And some players, like our, a lot of people in our group, love the out of game talking about game yeah. kind of stuff. You know, a few people want le- a little less of it, right? You know, and it sure it, it, it can vary from person to person. But if you have the right group for it, I, th- oh, I yeah. think it can definitely work if everyone's <laughs> enthusiastic about being, you know, maybe notified every day, maybe a few times a day, right? We we've oh, gotten yeah. pretty intense in the past, right? Yeah. Where some people are just yeah. like, uh, guys, I had to like turn you guys the notifications off because I have to like do my actual job. <laughs> right. And we're right. like, it, it can. <laughs> a loser. No, no, <laughs> not it, at all. But work is more important. Well, <laughs> but, well, it's more know, important we, to somebody. We, um, we have to say that. We have to say uh, that. Otherwise, we have to admit we have a problem, right? Um, yes, and that's never going to happen. <laughs> and that's never uh, going to happen. But yeah, I so agree that I, that really helped um, solidify that and and prevent a little bit of the bickering that can often happen. You know, we we like to introduce our characters with a little bit of conflict, and sometimes it mm-hmm. can result in just kind of this endless back and forth. And anyway, in this session, yeah. I ran a couple of well, last night. You know, mm-hmm. I practically was running a brand new game because in a lot of ways, it, yeah. in a lot of ways, we, you know, three brand new player characters, you know, joining the, the campaign. We had one person retire their character. We had another person 
sort of die and come back in a different form. So they had to essentially reintroduce themselves to everybody. Um, that was something. And that was something. And then we had one actual new player. And yeah. so it was, I was like, oh boy, like even going in, I was like, I, uh, this is going to be a little sloggy. Um, yeah. But well, eventually we got to it and, and I think we'll be okay. And, you know, I could go on talking about, you know, how do we introduce new characters? That would almost be a, a good inspiration oh, point on its own, but definitely. Uh, but what we want to talk about tonight are, you know, well, one second, because I had one question for you that's oh, been sure. like boring a hole in my mind. Okay. How has the uh, how's the D&D class been going? Well, we didn't have class Monday because it was Martin Luther King Day. Um, so I got a little bit thrown off by that. But uh, we mm. ran today and there nice. were there were some technical hiccups. I had a I had one player. She was just disconnecting over and over and over again. And and, and I could tell that was frustrating for everybody, you know, uh, but I discovered that one of my kids is just a particularly great player. Like, really? Yeah, I was actually thrilled about this. Like this guy, he he had his character ready from like day one of the class. Like he was like, where's the PDF? OK, like his character was ready to go built from scratch wow. like right away. Beyond that. He had thought of his personality, but that all of this stuff was good. But what made him great was how inclusive he was of the other players at the table. Like this was not this was not something I had taught him to do. He was just like, hey, what do you think of this? So and so. And hey, so and so, don't you have this skill? Can you try to help us do this? Right. Instead of just dominating the scene himself, he was like helping his party you know, coalesce behind him and, uh, you know, feel important in their own right. And I thought, man, that's so cool. This kid is a natural, right? Like this kid no is like kidding. the next big thing, you know? So dude, he got to get him a, uh, uh, that kind of, that kind of play. will get him a scholarship somewhere. I'm sure something somewhere. Yeah. You know, at the very least, it should. Swag, right. Yeah, but I, absolutely. At the very least we do like a student of the, week kind of thing and i'll probably nominate him for that oh yeah so um but he's i was very impressed did you guys wind up getting to try that uh that gm exercise uh i well not yet uh i don't want to do it yet this week was you know me another teacher and my ta are each running a a separate game and i just want them to play for a while right just get used to it and, and that sort of thing but it is something i would like to try um, I do think nice. it's a good idea. Um, and actually, the intro today didn't go too badly. Um, I didn't have too right many players, on. so that was part of it. But, you know, it was very straightforward. You've been hired by this mercenary captain. You, you, we're going to start on a boat, which is a classic tropey start, but it's fine. Oh, yeah. They're about to arrive at a village that's been overrun by goblins. And they Perfect. have been hired by the estate owner to get his town back. And all his stuff. Mm. And did they did they go straight to murder hobo town or you know, they didn't. Although very good. They kind of got there, but they were <laughs> they were as you do. The first thing they thought, the first thing mentioned was, well, let's communicate with them. Who can speak goblin? You know, yeah. can we can we reach some kind of an agreement? Could someone speak goblin? Yes. 
oh, the person who was constantly God. disconnecting. <laughs> oh, no. So it had to be one of those things where I was like, okay, you all speak Goblin. Moving on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> did, did, did you tell him that the universal uh, language of Goblins is Cockney? Uh, I did not tell them, but I did demonstrate it. <laughs> Good. Good. Yes, all the goblins were very cockney and very gravelly. Um, oh, that's bloody perfect, eh? Yeah, it was it was wonderful. Um, oh, you're bringing up the next generation, man. The next generation of goblins. This is pass it forward. This is how we pass it forward. So they, anyway, they are like, take us to your leader, and they're like, sure. And the leader is like, cool, you're slaves now, and go help me salvage crap in the city. And so they realized at this point, after they've been stripped of their weapons and taken as slaves, that, you know, maybe goblins this may not be going so good. Goblins aren't <laughs> mega rational all the time about everything. And uh, so anyway, <laughs> they start going through the like, do I find any weapons in this abandoned house? And I was like, no, you don't like. But I but you do find, uh, you know, a, a broken chair and you find uh, mm. an, a, a doll with a leather strap around its waist. And ah. and he's like. And he, he picks up the clue immediately and he's like, oh, can I fashion like kind of a shank, you know, with a, with there a you go. broken chair leg and, and the leather strap? And I said, yeah, definitely. You can do that. Um, nice. And then we were able to demonstrate how to add an attack to your sheet. And that was cool. Very cool. And then and then, yes, when uh, a goblin came in to inspect what they had done, I actually rolled on the trinket table. I love the nice. the trinket table in the PHB. Right. That's just filled with bizarre nonsense and i had this kid roll oh, yeah and he rolled uh a white shiny sequined glove like a michael jackson glove yeah and they, they started going you mean wow. like michael jackson that's exactly what they said <laughs> so anyway this goblin walks in and he's like hey i was the salvage going on in here i haven't heard, heard much going on hey where's uh where's the loot and he's like well here it is. Here I, have, I have this shiny glove. And he's like, oh, that's pretty. That is. I love that. I think I'm just going to keep this. It, you know, because oh. he's so distracted by this by this glove that he's like, can oh, I attack man. him? I'm like, yeah, you definitely can. You get advantage. And oh, I was hoping that there'd be a goblin from that point on walking around wearing wearing like a grown man's size <laughs> glove where like all the digits on the glove are like twice as long as his actual fingers so he's got these like baggy kind of loose ended floppy fingers <laughs> and he's constantly <laughs> gesturing everything he says <laughs> and they're just they're just flapping around <laughs> Uh, another goblin people. has to god i swear if i get hit by another piece of sequin <laughs> he's just be the he's last got some, thing like, you do subordinate goblin with him he keeps getting hit in the face <laughs> god, he doesn't say god, any, anything the whole campaign he just gets abused <laughs> oh. by this zat brannigan goblin with the floppy glove all, all he says is eh. <laughs> All the he just takes it he just comes back every day it's his job you know thank you know sir else. may i have another oh geez so, another goblin has to go by and find the glove now and to make that a reality 
So we didn't get a ton done. I mean, we only had about an hour and a half, but we, uh, you know, I thought they had some fun. But the main thing was discovering that I had, you know, a player who was like really amazing. And that was Dude, that was cool. That's very cool, man. I'm freaking thrilled for you. Yeah, I'm I'm half tempted <laughs> to invite him to like my actual group. Right. And, uh, and it's like, no, you are now my apprentice. My apprentice. <laughs> my apprentice. But then I was like, okay, no, I'm not gonna like drag in this 17 year old to like this game where everyone's like in their high 30s, low 40s. So, oh, man. Well, and then he would get to see you as like a real person, and that'd be weird. We can't have that. We can't have can't that. Have that. So <laughs> he'd be, he'd just no, be talking really, about your kids. He'd be we were, like, this. This feels weird. So that was cool. Um, so, you know, we, we like to start out this show talking about what we each did during what you might say is our downtime. Ah, good segue. Good segue. So let's get into the main topic, which is downtime. Downtime is a thing that I'm a big fan of. I enjoy using it in, in my campaigns. Sometimes I don't always implement it as well as I could, but I really, really like it. Uh, especially it's for, fun to think about. For, for a long form campaign, it does scratch my designer itch a little bit. But even if you don't want to do that, the Dungeon Master's Guide and particularly Xanathar's Guide to Everything have great mm. rules that can guide in meaningful downtime for your characters. That's very cool. So yeah. what is downtime in, in your opinion? Like if you were to define it for the audience, what would you say it is? Downtime is any any time where your characters are not actually out adventuring, really. I mean, downtime yeah, essentially. falls into that range. So what are some very positive things that you have found about downtime? Well, downtime is uh, most often used to... Uh, it basically allows your character to pursue things generally on their own. Uh, so you can flesh out your own character kind of independent of what the party is doing. And it also lets you pursue uh, things like uh, like careers, like trades and stuff. If you have a character that wants to be a blacksmith, chances are when you're out raiding a dragon's lair, you're not exactly going to have time to go hammer out a new battle axe. But between raiding dragon lairs, when you've got like a week back in town, you're like, yeah, I could hammer something out. Um, and you can also uh, use that time to forge relationships or uh, explore things. Or you could even uh, work with your GM to have like uh, little solo adventures, that sort of stuff. Any anything yeah. you can think of, really. Right. You, you, there is a lot of free form here. And, and I think a lot of the tables and rules that you can find in, in the DMG and in uh, Xanathar's or whatever um, mm -hmm. are good guidelines to help you come up with other ideas as well, if, if you'd like to. Totally. So I really enjoy it because it allows characters to feel more in tune with their world and to feel like they're, you know, a member of a community. So yeah, they, it lets them get invested in their surroundings, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
you know, I'm still working on implementing this uh, properly, uh, but I have found that players feel, you know, a little bit more invested when they have literal property that they need to look after. Oh, um, yeah. You know, and this is also something to sink money into that isn't just, well, can I get a little bit better at killing stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Can I get the next plus one weapon? And look, you might run a, a business in the game where your ultimate goal is to buy a point to your stick. But sure, you know, it's, you know, think about how much more meaningful it is when you, you know, are given the quest to slay a dragon and your character has like a skinning kit, right? And they're like proficient in that. And they mm. hunt down this dragon and they have to go like on quests to even like get to the dragon. And then they, they manage to plan well and to take this thing down. They're able to salvage parts from it. And they take that back to town and they spend a month or longer building up, you know, dragon scale armor or something like that. Mm. And, and then they're able to to wear that, you know, like as opposed to it's at a shop, you buy it, <laughs> you know, right. Or right. Uh, you found it in a chest and, and you rolled dice really well. And I mean, that could be really fun, too. We, we, we've talked about sure. how, how fun it is to find stuff in chess and and roll well. But, you know, it is it becomes a souvenir of the adventure. Right. And it right. Helps. there's a lot of memories tied to it now. You know, a lot of times when I start a character in Dungeons and Dragons, I have a very vague idea of, of what they are, but me too. near the end of a campaign, I, I have a very solid idea of how they look and how they behave and, and all these things and the adventures, like, you know, my character lost an eye and that became a big deal for him and became a big part of his character. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, had dragon scale armor eventually. That was, that was a long time coming, man. That was a carrot that was hanging in front of your face for quite uh, a while. Quite a long time. But, you know, we got it. That's what matters. And uh there you go. I was I was very I was very pleased about that, right? Yeah, it was uh, very cool. So, a couple, you know, here's some downtime activities that you can do that are suggested. You know, one is running a business. Oh yeah. You know, theoretically, you know, you have all these backgrounds and you have these tool proficiencies, but how often do the tool proficiencies really come up in a game? And it's and it's really mm. too bad because they're really cool, right? The idea that yeah, your character plays music or is a chef or is a smith or a leather worker or a tailor. Like, you know, in a lot of video games, these ideas have become a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. But also, theoretically, your character has some kind of life that came before yeah. adventuring that you know, exists now and may come after adventuring. Right. Um, you know, item crafting is something you mentioned. Um, oh, yeah. Gathering information, doing research, uh, even doing things like carousing and having oh, fun, yeah. you, you know, you know, if they can result in reputation gains or in gaining information or new contacts that can lead to more quests. But what's really fun as a GM to have downtime available is it allows your players to communicate their wants to you in a way mm. that asking them straight up doesn't always seem to work. Yeah. You know, like you went carousing, you made a contact. Okay. So what he's telling me is that he wants to contact people and he wants to be a member of, of the town in a, in a sort of social way. 
Mm. Like, okay, so the next time I give him, you know, a quest giver, it's going to be somebody from here, right? Yep. No, and I didn't have yeah. to dramatically change the campaign or, you know, do 10 hours of planning to come up with, yep. you know, some guy meets you. I mean, because how lame is that? Hey, I heard you were an adventurer. So anyway, here's a big job, you know, versus, yeah. Hey, I met you the other night and, uh, you know, we talked a whole lot. Now I realize that you're a big deal. And actually, I do have this problem. You could help me solve now that I'm sober. Right. right? Whatever it is. That's really cool. Yeah, definitely. You know, it it helps everything feel a lot more holistic and natural and organic. Um, you know, now now I sound like a Whole Foods commercial. <laughs> I was but, about to say, uh, 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 but you know, that's that's really one of the big things that we go for when we are playing these games is that kind of immersion. And having some rando just walk up to you and say, hey, adventurer, I've got this very important thing for me that I want you to take care of. And you're like, why? Like, I'm very flattered, but why would you trust me? Just sight unseen almost. Like, at first glance, you just go, hey, you know, you're carrying an obscenely large sword. Clearly, <laughs> you know how to take care of things. So, <laughs> you know, I just so happen to need a guy with a big sword. <laughs> yeah, my little sister needs someone to walk her to school every morning. You seem like a trustworthy fellow. What would that? What's the name uh, of that sword? Resume. <laughs> resume. <laughs> that's that's actually pretty good. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it, and it just, it feels weird, but this way, it's like, oh, you know, I can I can reflect on the path that I traveled to have met this guy. I remember that evening, you know, we were hanging out. He was a lot of fun. That guy could drink anyone under the table, and it's really weird to see him without glazed over eyes, and uh, yeah, you know. We had a good time the other night. I'll help this guy out. He seems cool. You know, you know another big benefit of uh, of doing downtime is that if you recur characters in a new world, right? Like if you, well, okay, no, if you're in the same world, but you have new characters that are interacting with that world later on, you get to see mm -hmm. these artifacts of the past, right? So in an old right. campaign, your character became essentially the leader of a town. Another one mm -hmm. of our players became this merchant. Um, trader. Uh, another one was a smith. Another one um, was a uh, theater performer and a uh, poet. Right. And these were all, you know, these are big landmarks in that town now in future campaigns. Mm -hmm. like, oh, we're going to go to the theater district and you know who's going to be there. Right. And that's yep. a, it's a big deal. And oh, go see the forge priest and he'll get you set up, you know, mm -hmm. like, and they, they can even become these big quest givers. And, you know, theoretically, you know, your character becoming the elder of the town didn't result in the pointy stick, but, it, you know, perhaps had a more sure. meaningful reward to you, even in future yeah. campaigns that you did that. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely gratifying. Um, and having that downtime, and going, you know, okay, what, what does your character care about? What are they focusing on? Like, usually the adventuring 
is the means to an end. There's something that your character wants. You know, they're they're not slaying the dragon theoretically just because they freaking hate dragons, although maybe. Or maybe um, they hate a particular dragon. But even then, they still have the goal right. of kill a particular dragon. And then the question becomes, well, then what? Why? You oh, know? Well, yeah, that too. But I'm thinking like, what what led up to that? What caused them to want that dragon dead or what caused them to hate dragons in general? And, mm-hmm. you know, they they have to. Well, I shouldn't say they have to. They likely know that they're not going to be able to do this forever. So how do they know when to stop? And when they do stop, what do they do then? And sure, you know, you could go with the uh, with the the argument of, well, maybe they haven't thought that far, but it can make for a deeper character. If you look into, you know, what, what else is there to this character that they, that they care about? You know, they, if you consider adventuring their job, do they have hobbies? Do they like a certain kind of music? Do they like a certain kind of food? Do they enjoy travel? that isn't beset by horrendous levels of violence, <laughs> you know? Well, and this is something oh. where I think adding the backgrounds to a character really helps round them out because, yeah. you know, I, I guess other than folk hero, they all have some sort of like, Hey, you do other things with your time. Right. Right. And that makes you a more well-rounded character. Even if you're a great basketball player, you know, you're probably also enjoy something else. Right. Maybe you enjoy a hundred other things. And, uh, you know, hopefully they're not all exactly the same guy. I guess I don't know, but I assume that they like different things and have other side hobbies that they enjoy doing. Right. So it's, um, you know, so it adds to that. Um, The other thing I'll say that I find that that uh, it serves as a purpose is, you know, going through a campaign arc, you know, like theoretically in a game like D&D, your character can go from level one to level 20 within like a a month, (laughs) you know, in Um, theory, in theory, you know, like, so there, like, imagine that, like you're, you're hanging out, you're doing your life. And then a month later, you're like basically a, a, a demigod, demigod, you know, that's pretty insane. So one thing that that downtime allows you to do is space that out a bit. And, oh, I, yeah. and I think it also helps explain leveling a little bit better. Like, you know, you've been you, you haven't just been doing other things, but you've probably also been preparing. Right. Maybe right. you've been researching your enemy or the place that you're going. Maybe you are. Yes, missing a new item that is going to help you. Well, that, you know, that should be worth something. Um, you know, maybe you're, you're, uh, training the soldiers, right? Like a seven samurai kind of scenario. Like, well, my mm. character's background is a soldier and he doesn't really know what to do other than, you know, soldiering. It's like, okay, well, he can train up the guardsmen or he can train up the army, right? Like, let's bring that back. Yeah. Um, well, and soldiering, uh, like soldiering life involved, like, you know, it, even if you look at, at history, like when, when foot soldiers were out on campaign, you're not fighting constantly. No, no. Like there was a 
hell of a lot of waiting around. Mm-hmm. Like if if anyone would be prone to picking up a hobby, maybe a portable hobby, but a hobby, it'd be a soldier. You're finding ways to kill time between engagements. Yeah. If you're not marching and if you're not fighting, you're waiting for orders. And sometimes you might be waiting a long dang time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, imagine imagine being a soldier on the attacking side, laying siege to a fortress, but not actively laying siege to it. You've just cut off the trade route and you're you've just surrounded the place and you're just starving them out. So your job is literally sit there and make sure (laughs) stay here and make sure he doesn't leave the room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. By the way, sieging is terrible, but, um, Oh my God, it is this thing where, yeah. Like, okay, well, what do you do if you're in a hard medieval, you know, story game and, Mm -hmm. you know, you do have to run a siege. Well, you're just going to say, and then we wait three months in and then we attack. Well, I mean, that's fine. You could, but it might also be really interesting to have your characters perform downtime activities or go on small oh, adventures at, while, at least, while the siege is being held. At least address it. Like that's, yeah. that's, uh, that's one way you could do it where at least you acknowledge beyond and three months pass, you could just say, okay, we're going to fast forward a bit, but about this much time time. goes by, what would you do? Right. Right. And that's, that's usually at least enough to, to make it not feel like you're just hand waving it and that you're willing to treat the amount of time that's gone by with an appropriate level of significance. Like three months is not an insignificant amount of time at all. Even a month, like a lot can happen in a month or even a week. Um, so I've, I've got a question. Um, what are, well, maybe this is two questions. What are (laughs) some, what are some problems that, Hmm. Uh, that can come up when trying to utilize downtime. And I guess this would be the second question. Um, what situations and maybe campaign types in which situations and campaign types would downtime largely not fit? So I think that a... I think you could fit it in almost anything to jump on the second question first, because the way I present downtime in, in my campaign, you know, is not the, the rule, right? Necessarily. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I do about three months between major story arcs. Um, mm-hmm. and we count chapters by seasons in seasons past into years and, and that sort of thing. But you certainly don't have to do it that way. You could do a thing where you're on the road constantly but maybe there's something you're working on while traveling right and that could be right. interesting or you know between camps like okay you only can get an hour of progress here but let's make it right and that could be yeah that could be interesting but but that only lends itself to like that that lends itself to small scale things but you know if you're playing a 
a very um, chronologically consistent and linear narrative where there are not any time jumps really where like basically you're you're playing out each day that these guys are on the road and it's like a kind of a a constant yeah yeah Um, well then you know you're doing you're doing small things you're not really having the opportunity to like build a home or well, sure. Stuff and, like that. and some of the activities might be inappropriate for your setting. Right. Cor- right. Right. But like, OK, you can never carouse. You can never do research or information gather. Like, right. You know, that maybe maybe totally one fun. or two of those things are available. Well, like, why? Why spend time telling a character like, OK, you have alchemy tools, not smithing tools. And they're like, cool. Uh, it's also never going to come up. So don't even like write it down right. on your paper. But just know you did that for no reason. Right. Like that yeah. kind of sucks. Like at least yeah. what you no, can do totally does. is have like resources they can gather on the road that where they can eventually make things. And and uh, maybe you kind of askew the um, the time requirements on some of these things in exchange for like completing certain goals or quests. So like, mm. OK, typically making this potion takes 30 days. But since you fought this side quest monster that guards the, you know, ancient herb of, you know, Farlac or whatever, um, then you then you can do it. And now you can make it in a day instead. Right. And it's fine because go. it's not like he can farm it. Right. He gets one. It's a it's mm-hmm. the same essentially as he pulled it out of a chest, which no GM would bat an eye at. But right. now now you're flavoring it that he made it and now he feels cool that he made his tools and he and he thought about his character. Right. Right. And that's what this yeah. this all does. Um, but the other thing I would say is maybe maybe make sure that your players sometimes do get a breather. I think breathers are important. You can't yeah. just upbeat all the time. You have to downbeat and that that can go into uh, shopping and crafting and, and other downtime activities. Right. Yeah. So there, I think there don't have to be a lot. They don't have to be constant, but you know, you can, you you know, and you should be able to use scroll of town portal from time to time. (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's really important. I think it's, uh, it's at least worthwhile to, um, to just acknowledge breaks in the, in the action. Cause even if you're, doing like a steady no time jump uh sort of thing like you know you're the adventurers need to stop and eat they need to they need to sleep where are they gonna sleep you know some folks uh keep watch so do they always keep watch alone or does someone stay up with them do they talk do they try you know if uh if you're hanging out and one of your party members is a bard. You go, you know what? I'm going to stay up for at least a portion of his watch. And maybe he teaches me how to play a musical instrument. Or, you know, I I try to practice singing with him to kind of accompany his playing or something like that. Um, and it helps you just add depth and some variety uh, and humanity to your adventurers because 
they're not just nonstop killing machines. I mean, sure. Well, I, I think that's the key are, word there is humanity, because I think that we yeah. can lose touch with the question you brought up earlier, which is the why, right? Which is yeah. an extremely important question. And while it may seem on the one hand that, yes, my character is taking time smithing, they're also in a way taking time living. They're taking yeah. time existing in a community and being part of it and building a, a reputation and, and meeting people and, you know, how much more effective is it as the GM to say, okay, I attack your village and you don't, don't know anything about the village versus me spending, you know, months having you cultivate relationships with the, these people and then threatening their lives. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, shoot, look at the, if you're going to kick the, the chase, puppy, launch yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I mean, uh, Look at the chase we had in our in our Strahd session. I mean, yeah. having having that be preceded by you guys having this family interaction mm -hmm. made it made those risks hit you just a little more. You know, yeah, it, it the, the, the wife and mother nearly falls out of the cars and now saving them is important instead of, yeah, you know, Turlog, the barbarian who I met half an hour ago in a tavern, right? right. If Turlog falls out, I'd really just, oh no. It's like, well, <laughs> oh no, don't. Oh no. You he'll... barely extended your arm. And the player's already like going, well, we could use a rogue in the party. Hold on. Point by right. 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 You know, and you're just like, hey, that never feels good. Yeah, that doesn't feel yeah. very good. That's not very fun. So I, I do yeah. like that. And it, it does. I think downtime does complement the why question uh, a little bit. It's also really you fun know, to base build. Yes. Yes, it is. I mean, I, I guess it base building is fun for a certain type of person, at least. And we mm -hmm. are that kind of person. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, yeah, like it's because when you build a base, you're making a permanent mark yes. on the world it's that, that you're existing in. aspect of yeah. the game. Yeah, right. it totally is. This is my tower. This is my tavern. It's it's a piece of the lore. It's canon. You know, um, people come to my trading post. They, you know, shop at my store, whatever. Yep. You know, these are, these are big deals to players, even if they mathematically don't add killing potential. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's being able to affect and customize the environment. And especially if you have a, um, and there are some uh, video games that have done this uh, particularly well recently. Like, uh, I know probably the most recent example has got to be Assassin's Creed Valhalla, where you, you have a home base. And in this case, it's like an entire Viking settlement where you're constantly coming back to it and adventuring out from it. So every time you come back, you have opportunities to build a new thing here, meet a new person there, uh, see how this place is developing, and you start relating to it more and more and more. And as you grow, you also see this place grow. And yep. you also kind of grow into one another. You become an important facet of this place. And this place in turn becomes a facet of yourself. That also um, paces out your exposition, right? Imagine sure instead you go to a town and I go, okay, 
let's one at a time meet every shopkeeper who lives here. Oh. Right. Like you're gonna be like, oh That's... my gosh. I thought this game was called Assassin's Creed, and apparently it's Tutorial Creed. Um, that's not very fun. They're you know, pretty good tutorials. Now, there's probably a couple players out there. It's like that sounds great. That's very useful. Very awesome. efficient. Um, very. Yeah, I definitely love that. As, and in particularly in a video game, you also get this like visual reward. You can literally see the tower standing there. You know, and that's oh yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and you know that. That again adds to a lot of flavor, and it's not the only video game. I think we see this more and more with video games. They're like, oh, yeah. well, what else can players spend rewards on? You know, can we? And it's like in Shadows of uh, of Mordor, the second one, Shadow mm-hmm. of War. You know, y- you get several bases you get to build up, and you get to yep. design the hierarchy of your orcs, and you make them fight in pits to vie for supremacy. And, and it's essentially it's a downtime activity when you do that. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh it's fun to do, at least for me it was. Um Yeah, it is fun. Dragon um, Age Inquisition, you were the Inquisitor, you took over Skyhold, and you what one of the things I loved doing was sitting in judgment of the <laughs> various uh, squabbles that the characters had, right? And and making role playing decisions based on on that. It was fun to sit in the judgment seat and and, and call those things. That is super cool. Like um, it, it, that is, that is a particularly neat idea. Um, you know, there, there was one thing that, uh, crept into my mind when we were talking about the, the why of your character and why they're doing what they're doing and, um, what factors into downtime and stuff. And I, there is uh, a game that addressed this in a really interesting way. Uh, and it was Gloomhaven, uh, mm. the giant freaking board game, um, which I have a copy of and never got to freaking play because I'd have to set it up and basically just play it by myself. Um, and I don't have that <clears throat> kind of table space, but uh, the mechanic that they have in this game is that at the beginning, you choose a type of character to play. That's basically your class. And it comes with this little mini and stuff. But one of the neat things that you do when you're starting a new character as well is there's, there's a, like a career objective or like a life goal deck of cards. And you draw two of these from the deck And you get to look at them both and basically choose one. So it doesn't feel like you're totally just getting stuck with whatever. Um, But it's still a bit random. And this is your your character's life goal. And it's a quantifiable goal. Like it is not ambiguous as to whether or not you've achieved this. Like it might be be a goblin slayer and, you know and then it'd straight up say slay 50 goblins over your career or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, And it says that once your character has attained their goal, once it's been achieved, they retire. They've done what they set out to do. So they no longer feel the need to keep, you know, living this, very dangerous, chaotic lifestyle. So it's a neat thing to 
to consider in terms of a more open-ended RPG, like what is my character actually after? And at what point would they go, you know, I think I'm done. You know, and I think that's what the bond is supposed to do. And I think that a lot of times we just kind of like brush that stuff aside and the, yeah, because I think the GM is like, okay, what am I going to do? Like write all these plot points or, you know, am I just going to say, okay, listen, the point of the campaign is slay the dragon. Mm. But the, the GM needs to do a couple of things here. They need to, you know, read people's ideals and bonds and flaws and like actually Mm -hmm. think about how to implement them in a lot of ways. They can almost provide the outline to your campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that what you can do there is make sure that even if the campaign is ultimately about killing the dragon, that you've laid the groundwork so that by the time we get to the dragon, it is, it is, it's in line with, you know, achieving the bond, right? Whatever it is to be meaningful. You know, I some of the bonds and, and stuff are kind of silly, but most of them are are good. Sure. Like little adventurer hooks and and basically yeah. give your character a reason to be out doing stuff, right? Even if you're bard and their whole bond is I want to compose the greatest musical masterpiece of all time. Mm. You know, being in the presence of a dragon is a experience that may uh inspire you For to say, sure. say the very least. And you know, that that can be in line with the same character whose fought, whose uh, parents were destroyed by a dragon, you know, this particular yeah. dragon, perhaps. So they have a good reason to to team up and take on that dragon. So downtime is yeah. also a really good time for your characters to get to know each other. One way to uh, achieve downtime is to do it outside of a session through perhaps yep. email exchanges. And, and that's something that our group has largely been big fans of. And they and we've done an episode all about that, too, I think. Yeah. Early on. Yeah. Early on. I think we did chat about that. And that's actually something that the books even suggest doing mm-hmm. is is, uh, you know, maybe doing a one on one session or, you know, just having an email or a phone call, you know, whatever it is, Discord, Skype, whatever. And, yeah. uh, you know, kind of hashing out that information. And so that it's so there's for one person and you can focus hard on that that one person and, and get that stuff done. So it's also yeah. fun to do little team up uh, activities where it's just maybe you and one other character, things that you can do that would work great in a film or, mm. but don't work at the table because you can't just ignore half your players, you know, for an hour and a half. Right. I say that as someone who waited an hour and a half before introducing one of his PCs last <laughs> night. Sometimes it just happens that well, way. I, I, I don't know if you noticed this, but I did try to like whip you guys along a few times. To, like, <laughs> you did. You like, did. Okay, we're not doing this again. Go, move, 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 move. Okay, <laughs> and he's in the game. Now we can relax. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, there there was absolutely necessity, and I I was very conscious of that. Like the whole time too, I'm like, okay. I know he's got to be coming. Okay. I see. Yes. They're humanoid tracks mm-hmm. that are following this monster and it's not us. Okay. Gee, I wonder who that could be. I wonder who that could be. Okay. It's, yeah. I mean, it's go, fine. go, 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 go. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it, yeah, yeah, it, it mean, sucks to be the person I once, I have to tell you one time I did go to a D and D game. Essentially it wasn't D and D, but it's the same thing. Um, and the plot was structured in a certain way 
And I sat there and did nothing the whole session. Oh, it was like a five hour session and I did nothing. Oh my goodness. That was horrible. He was like, Hey man, I'm sorry. I'm like, no, (laughs) Hey man, I'm sorry. Like really? Like, come on. Like, yeah, that I'm, I make GM mistakes all the time, but that is definitely a, maybe this isn't for you kind of mistake. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe that's the only time that that's ever happened to that GM. Maybe he learned that experience, but you would absolutely be forgiven for not going back. And he was still far from the worst GM I ever had. (laughs) As bad as that was, you have had so far from the worst experiences. Yeah, man. But I've also had some really good ones and I'm, and I'm very happy about that. I just, that's, that's man, true. when you're when you're around good players and good GMs and everybody like treats it like it's a big deal and it's an art form. Mm-hmm. My goodness, it is so fun as long as it yeah. doesn't swing too far in the other direction and get so heavy that it's now too heavy to be fun. Yeah. And we're yeah. all taking ourselves way too seriously. Then, you know, maybe that's too much. But yeah. anyway, I highly recommend downtime. To uh, GMs, I recommend that players ask for their downtime opportunities to yeah, savor their victories and to yeah. build um, achievement into your game, right? If you listen to our, our Bartle episode about different gamer types, um, oh, yeah. you know, the achiever loves to base build. They love to leave their mark upon the world. And uh, don't yeah. forget about them because I'm an achiever too, and I love achieving things. And if I'm in your campaign, I am going to do the best I can to help you run a wonderful campaign and to include the other players in it. But I also That's... would like to maybe build a keeper too. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, you just hope the wolves don't eat you first. <laughs> yeah. So, and l- but... you know, again, you, you might not be able to make a keep in every uh, campaign that you're in, but you should oh, sure. be able to, like theoretically, even if we never do it, but theoretically, if we were ever to come back, would I see this, you know, mm, and that, yeah. and, it, and it would be a small thing and yet very meaningful to somebody, you know, you carve your name on a tree or something. Well, and here's a big difference. You know, we're in the third campaign of this homebrew world setting I'm doing. The mm. first one was, I would say, uh, very successful. Yes. And it was filled with downtime activities. It's terrific. The second game, people were are less enthusiastic about it. It did mm. not contain any downtime activities, really. Um, mm. And I'm not saying that's the only reason, but there is definitely correlation there. Yeah. Um, the first campaign t- took, in game terms, years to get through. Right. Like, I think you guys were, I think it was a 10 year life of these characters. Something like that. It was something like that. It was a while. 10 to 12, something like that. And uh, the second campaign, everything got wrapped up in about a month. That's true. And it was a typical race against the clock kind of plot. Mm. And the, the main thing that everyone came away from it saying was, I didn't feel like I had any personal impact on the world. Mm. And, uh, this time I feel like we have amended that a lot and that people feel a lot more impactful. We've brought back the downtime activities. We've brought back the relationships with the NPCs and really getting right. to, to know the world. And it's, I think it's made a big difference. Yeah. I, 
I think, I think, you know, maybe a final note, um, cause we, we probably yeah. ought to wrap, but yeah. I think one major takeaway here is even if, even if for whatever reason you're running a campaign or even small adventure where, where significant amounts of downtime are not possible. One big takeaway is allow the adventurers to affect change in the world. Have, yeah. have show signs of their passing. You know, if, if they meet an NPC, you know, uh, at least one who's relatively significant, like if it's just Joe Schmo on the street, then who cares? But, um, have, you know, have that meeting affect the person's life. Doesn't have to be in a huge way, but you know, if they go into a tavern and then they come back to the tavern, maybe have someone recognize them. Oh, Hey, you're back. It doesn't take a lot to, to throw that in there, but just the mention that, that they're recognized that they have, that they've been here, that they've had some degree of influence. Doesn't have to be huge. Doesn't have to be even big. Just even little signs of their passing um, can make you feel like you mattered. Mm -hmm. We all want to (laughs) matter. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree with that more. So downtime. It's good. Do it. Use it it. in (laughs) some way some way, shape or form and, uh, use it to love your players. And, uh, if your GM does this for you, buy him a pizza or something. <laughs> you always know. buy the GM pizza. Always buy the GM pizza. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's that moment where uh, the GM rolls behind the screen, looks up at you, but you bought the pizza and he goes, he missed. <laughs> he missed. And you know what happened. You know what you happened. Know what that- happened. You know what happened (laughs) after the game. Once everyone else has gone home, you just give that GM a hug real quick and go, "Thanks, man." (laughs) And you, he's like, "You're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Worth it. Totally worth it." (laughs) Quid pro quo in Dungeons and Dragons. That's right. That's right. You scratch my back. I won't I don't kill, kill you. your character. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks everyone for hanging out with us. In particular, we, as always, want to say thank you to our patrons who are ever loyal and supported us over on Patreon. So a big thank you to Spike Murphy Rose and Logan. What's Logan's last name? McBride. Logan McBride. If you would like to get your name on the show, just like Spike and Logan, head on over to patreon.com slash inspiration point and support us at the $5 level, as well as a shout out on the episodes. You'll be able to vote on different things when we do polls, be able to submit mailbag questions, and you'll get access to our private discord community. If you are feeling super inspired and want to get with us in a game, Support us at the $100 tier where Adam will run a custom campaign just for you and anyone else who decides to join at that epic level. Also, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you found us. And if this is your first time listening, be sure to download and check out our other episodes. You should be able to find us on most major podcast platforms, including iTunes and Spotify. 
If you listen via iTunes or other platforms that allow for reviews, please be sure to leave us a five-star review and tell us what you think if you can. We love to read the reviews and whatever feedback you give us, we'll do our best to factor it into the show. Yep. You can find our website at inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspiration point podcast. And we are on Twitter at IPRPGcast. And uh, also, before we go, I do want to ask if anyone who's listening out there hasn't stopped over at the Dangerous Destinations Kickstarter, uh, please head on over to Kickstarter and check it out. And if you really like it, back the project. And um, if uh, it's January 19th, 2021 at the moment, so we'll be running for about another three weeks. So if you're listening to this within that time frame, go check it out. If it's well beyond then, uh, check out Nord Games and take a look at our books. Other than that, thank you all again for hanging out and uh, remember to use downtime and in your downtime this week, stay inspired. Bye. Bye.